You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. This afternoon we will consider the fourth commandment, commandment concerning the Sabbath. And in connection with that then, we have two readings. First of all, we'll read from the Old Testament from Exodus chapter 31, beginning at verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he abstained from work and rested. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. We turn to the New Testament to our second reading, which begins at Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was for your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Our text this afternoon is the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism concerning the fourth commandment. What does God require in the fourth commandment? 
First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that, especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have some questions before us this afternoon, and as a way of getting into those questions, I have some more questions for you. Are you allowed to work on Sunday? If you are allowed, how much work are you allowed to do? Can you work as long as you don't get paid? Can you pay someone else to work for you? Or can you make someone else work for you as long as you don't pay them? How long does Sunday last? Does it go from dusk on Saturday to dusk on Sunday? Does it go from midnight to midnight? Does it go from 9.30 a.m. to about quarter after 3 p.m.? Some more questions. If a Christian chops down a tree in the middle of the forest where there's no one to hear it, is he breaking the Sabbath command? What if he's an electrician and he chops down trees for fun? Or what if it was just a little tree? There are a lot of questions we could ask. We could keep going on and on and on like this for a long time. And the thing is, oftentimes we do. I wonder if this is where your Sabbath conversations go. Are these the burning questions that are in your heart and your mind as you sit here this afternoon and we look at the fourth commandment? I wonder which one of these questions is going to be answered this afternoon. If the Sabbath, the word Sabbath brings to your mind a rule books and legal questions, then please take out your mental rule books and your mental log book and put it aside. Put it aside. If, as a mature believer, as a mature believer, the priority for you about the Sabbath is the rules and the regulations, then you are missing out. You are missing the point. You are, in fact, wrong in your thinking, and you're being misled. The Sabbath is not all about the rules and regulations. The Sabbath is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and the freedom and rest that we have in him. That's what we'll consider this afternoon, the gospel of the Sabbath the gospel of the Sabbath, we'll consider the Lord of the Sabbath this afternoon. And now we come to those other questions. The first question is, and this is really the question that the Sabbath is about, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? That is, on this day, Sunday. The next question is, what must we do today? And then thirdly, what must we do for the rest of this week? 
Because the Sabbath has implications, not just for one day of the week, but for our entire lives. So first, what do you want to do today? If any of you have been in the Toronto area, Toronto, Ontario, listening to the radio, you would have heard, at least I used to hear it all the time listening to the radio there, a man named Harvey Brooker who would come onto the radio constantly during the week and he would pitch the Harvey Brooker one-hour power hour weight loss uh, weight loss speech for men. It was a club you could join, and every Sunday morning you would get together and Harvey Brooker would give an inspiring speech to men about how to lose weight. And the question that Harvey Brooker used to always put on his ads was this, do you have something better to do this Sunday? Do you have something better to do this Sunday? I think he was needling people's consciences, people's minds. I think maybe he was even needling lapsed Christians' minds. Do you have something better to do this Sunday? Well, the question for the Sabbath is precisely that. Do we have something better to do today? That's what we're going to look at. But first, we need to get a sense of the groundwork. And to do that, we're going to go fairly quickly. And we're not going to cover all the material because there's way too much material about the Sabbath. We're going to try to get a sense of what the Sabbath is and how it moves from Old Testament to New Testament to get a sense of what it means for us today. So what is the Sabbath day? Well, the Sabbath day, referenced in the fourth commandment, is the day refers to the once-a-week rest. For the Jews, happened on the seventh day, Saturday. In the two versions of the Ten Commandments, you probably know that, there's two different historical events that are referenced which speak to what is important about the Sabbath day. In Exodus 20, we read that God rested from his creation on the seventh day. The Israelites were reminded that. And and therefore, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Have you ever wondered, what did God do on the seventh day? How does God rest? Well, in Exodus 31, verse 17, It says that on the seventh day, God rested, and literally it says there, and was refreshed. He was refreshed. He was renewed. Now, of course, God does not grow tired like some human laborer. It wasn't that God's energy was expended and he couldn't do any more creating. No, he ceased from his work because it was done, and he took a step back to enjoy it. Just like a a gardener might take a break from working in their garden, To just sit there and enjoy it. Enjoy the garden for what it is. That's the picture that we get from Exodus 31 of the rest that God took from his labors. He delighted in his complete creation. He was refreshed. And so, made in the image of God, we are commanded to rest from our labors and to delight in God. To delight in what God has allowed us to do with the work of our hands, and most of all, to delight in God himself. So that's Exodus 20. Deuteronomy 5 connects, in Deuteronomy 5, the Lord connects the Sabbath with the redemption of Israel from Egypt. Quite a different event than Exodus 20. 
There it says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So the Sabbath day was to be a day of remembering the redemption that God had obtained for Israel. And what better way to do that than by resting from their work? The message to them was clear. You are no longer slaves. You don't have to work on this day. Under Egypt, they would have been forced to work every day. In fact, they were forced to work beyond what was humanly, what they were humanly capable of. But God had saved them. God had redeemed them. They were no longer slaves. They could take a day to rest and to worship Him. They could delight in Him on that day rather than being forced to work. And so they were resting from their labor and they were resting in God's redemption. So the Sabbath, you begin to understand, is not about idleness. Perhaps in our minds, that's what we think about it. The Sabbath is the day to be idle. It's not. In fact, the commandment first points to what you should do. Notice that about the commandment. It doesn't say you shall not do this first of all. It first actually tells us to do something. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember means keep alive in your mind. Keep alive in your heart. Act according to its fundamental principles. In Exodus 6 verse 4, we read that God remembered his covenant. And so he returned to help the people. Well, it wasn't as though God had forgotten his covenant or forgotten where he put it or something like that. Not at all. But it means that he kept it alive by his will and he acted according to his covenant promises. And so we are to remember the Sabbath day. Keep it alive in our hearts and our minds. Keep in front of us what the Lord has done in creation and redemption. And act according to the principles of the Sabbath. The specific way in which Israel was to act according to the principles of the Sabbath was through communal worship. They were to gather together and worship God. What better way to rest in God than by gathering together and worshiping him? In Leviticus 23, verse 3, for example, we read, The seventh day is a Sabbath of rest. What does that mean? A day of sacred assembly. You're not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. And other passages like Leviticus 24 and Numbers 28 speak about what was to happen on that day. They speak about how the worship of God's people was to be organized on the Sabbath. And like I said, there's more. There's Isaiah 56. There's many other passages that speak about the Sabbath. But we have enough here for the picture, to get the picture. A picture of a day on which God's people would rest from their labors. And a day on which they would be refreshed by honoring God and by worshiping him together in sacred assembly. And so rest and worship, and you might even say rest for worship, are what the Sabbath was all about. And you can imagine for a nation of former slaves, that memory of being in slavery in Egypt was always with them. The Sabbath commandment was pure joy. It was pure freedom. It was a God-ordained special day of the week. I wonder how many of you are looking forward to family day next February. Maybe this February passed and you thought you, you knew it was coming next year and you thought, well, why can't we have that already? It's going to be great 
when we have that day, one more day off from our work to enjoy family activities. See, when you don't have something, often you recognize the gift that it is when you're given, when it's given to you. We'll probably experience that next February when we have family day. But God hasn't given us a holiday once a year. He hasn't given us a day off once a month. God has given us one day every week, once one day a week for his people to take a break from their work and to commune with him in a special way. That's the picture that emerges from the Old Testament. Now we're going to move from the old to the new. And this is often where more challenges are presented. But we must move, and, and moving will shed greater light because in moving to the New Testament, we see the fulfillment and the greater beauty of the Sabbath. Matthew 12, the passage that we read together, is the most notable and informative passage on the Sabbath with, re- with respect to Jesus' ministry. In it, Jesus confronts the Pharisees who had first challenged him about what his disciples were doing on the Sabbath. Now, we need to keep in mind who these Pharisee characters were. This was a group that, as Jesus says elsewhere, was laying heavy burdens on the people. Burdens that they themselves couldn't carry. They were all about the law. They were all about the rules. And they made everybody follow these rules. The rules were the most important for the Pharisees. Jesus accuses the Pharisees of paying attention to the very small parts of the law. Do this, don't do that. But then completely ignoring the weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy. He says, you're so concerned about your rules that you're forgetting the priorities that God's law was meant to teach you. And that is exactly what had happened with the Sabbath law. Rather than rejoicing in their freedom from slavery and rejoicing in the covenant communion that they had with God, the covenant communion between God and his people, the Pharisees became focused on the do's and the don'ts of the law. And they concocted a whole set of laws on what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. Paying attention to the small parts and forgetting the priorities. If our conversations are going in the same way that the questions at the beginning of the sermon went, that's the danger that we face. Focusing on the small parts and the details, forgetting the priorities. Well, the Lord Jesus, he challenged the Pharisees on their Sabbath rules. He said, do you really know what you're talking about with all of your rules of what's right and what's wrong? And he, he points out the holes in their fences And he points them out in three areas in particular. He says, well, God's people have always done works of necessity, like David. They've always been allowed to do works of worship, like the Levites. And they've always been allowed to do works of mercy, like the person who would pull their goat from the pit. But that's not the main thrust of that passage in Matthew. The main thrust of that passage we're already, we're already tipped off to is at the end of chapter 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you Sabbath. 
And then Jesus says later in 12 verse 6, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. The son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's teaching them, get your eyes off of these little rules and come to me. My yoke is light. I'm not going to burden you like the Pharisees. Come to me and I will give you rest. The rest that the Sabbath pointed to was in Jesus Christ. The rest for God's people is Jesus Christ. He's the rest. He's obtained this rest for us by his death and resurrection. So that we know how we don't have to work in any way for our salvation. It's a gift of grace. God has accomplished it by himself. And so the gospel of the Sabbath is Jesus Christ himself. Now you may ask, what happened to the worship, the Sabbath worship? In the New Testament. Well, it is in fact difficult to piece together. And that's because of the situation of the New Testament. Because as the gospel went out to all nations, you had this blending of, of Jews and Gentiles. And we can read of many instances where the Jews continued to meet in the Sabbath. Uh, on the Sabbath in the synagogue. Paul would go to the synagogue every Sabbath and preach there. Preach the message of the gospel. But alongside that, a clear picture does emerge of Christians meeting together on the first day of the week. Read about that, for example, in Acts 20. And this day even became known as the Lord's Day, which very well may be a reference to Isaiah 56 and where it's called the Lord's Holy Day. Lord's Holy Day, the Lord's Day. Sunday became that day. On this day, the believers would gather together for worship. On that day, they would give their tithes. On that day, they would break bread together. They would celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, this points to there a transition of the Sabbath celebration from Saturday to Sunday. And it's fitting that the new covenant could, should continue the thrust of the old, meeting together in sacred assembly, resting in what the Lord has done, remembering his great acts of redemption, how much more so now that Jesus Christ has come. And what better day than on the first day of the week, the day of Christ's resurrection. Think about what Sabbath meant. Creation, redemption. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he was the first fruits of a new creation. And he had won the final redemption for God's people. And so how fitting that they should celebrate the fulfilled Sabbath on Sunday by gathering together. What a better day to delight in the Lord and remember his covenant Sabbath. So what God wants his people to do to celebrate his Sabbath becomes quite clear through the course of scripture. The question really is though, what do you want to do? The Sabbath rest is a gift. It's a gift from God. The one day every week is a gift. It's a gracious gift and provision for the lives of God's people from the Lord of the Sabbath. You are no longer slaves. Take a day off from your work. Take a day off Uh, You're not a slave to your work. You're not a slave to your hobby. You're not a slave to your family or friends. You've been set free. So rest and worship the Lord who has set you free. Worship the God who has set you free by his own blood. 
by his resurrection. Think about this scenario for a moment. Can you imagine the Jews uh, being a Jew in the early church who who came to faith in Jesus Christ? Say a, a particularly scholarly Jew who likes to study the Old Testament and all of a sudden discovers that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. Well, can you imagine that this this Jew reading about this and then coming to understand that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath and jumping off his chair and exclaiming to his family, the Messiah is here. Now we can work one more day a week. No. Of course not. The Messiah is here. Things are better. Things are greater. No. Now we can rest in what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. And now we can do that in corporate worship, but an even better corporate worship, because now the nations are being brought in as the gospel goes out to the whole world. Where God's people are gathered together. Sabbath. It's about worshiping God. And worship is about a heartfelt desire and a longing to honor and glorify God, to express gratitude for God, to God for the gift that He's given us. And so what do you want to do? What do you want to do today? Of course, having the main thing be the main thing is important, but that doesn't let the details fall to the wayside. Now we come to what must we do today? And of course, we have to take this in light of what we already said about the Sabbath. Because being confronted with the Sabbath commandment means that you will still have to make decisions You will have to make priorities and you will have to enforce them. Parents will have to enforce them for their children. Have to make hard decisions sometimes about what the Lord's day will look like for you and your family. But there are some things that you don't have to make decisions about. Those decisions have already been, been made for you. They're of such high priority that they must be a priority for you. These things are so critical to participating in Christ's rest on the Sabbath that they're non-negotiable. And they're non-negotiable because they're so tightly connected with what the Sabbath is all about, the gospel. The gospel. The gospel is what the Sabbath is all about. Of course, we understand that, right? What is the Sabbath about? It's about rest and worship. What's the gospel about? Well, it's about not living by works, but by faith, by resting what Christ has done and worshiping God through the work of the Spirit and the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. That's what the gospel is, so closely connected to what the Sabbath is. And so we have some non-negotiables of the Sabbath and the Heidelberg Catechism points out for us what these non-negotiables are. And notice how closely connected they are to the gospel. What does the fourth commandment require first that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained we must maintain the ministry of the gospel that is central to the sabbath because therein jesus christ is proclaimed therein is the rest and worship for god's new covenant people if we lose the ministry of the gospel 
We don't have a Sabbath left to celebrate. And the schools that are referring to are what the Apostle Paul spoke about to Timothy and Titus about carrying on the ministry of the gospel. We need to ensure that God, the ministry of the gospel not only is carried on today, but we need to take provisions for tomorrow. The gospel needs to be communicated to the next generation and the one after that and the one after that. Paul commanded Timothy to pass on the truths that he had been learned to reliable men so that they could communicate it to others. And what are the other non-negotiables of the Sabbath? Well, as you can see there, the, the big one is attending church, especially on the day of rest. I diligently attend the church of God. Because this is where it happens. This is where the gospel happens. Yeah, by the standards of the world, what we do here every Sunday is pretty humdrum. It's, some would say, misguided, a waste of time. Some would even say it's bad. We shouldn't be doing things like this, brainwashing people and all of that. But in terms of how God works among his people and how his people are built up and strengthened in their faith, at church is where it all comes together. You can see that in those elements that are explained there. Uh, These elements are explained elsewhere in the catechism, so we won't look at them in depth, but just notice how closely connected they are to the gospel. Because the Sabbath is all about the gospel. So we go to church to hear God's word, to hear the proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord, and his great work on our behalf, and the salvation that is ours through him, and how we might live in obedience to God by faith in Christ. So we hear from God's word. We go there to use the sacraments to have that faith in the gospel strengthened and deepened. To have the mark of the gospel put on us. We go to church further to pray, to to respond to the gospel. If you're not praying, the gospel isn't impacting you. If you recognize the gift of the gospel, you respond. You respond in thankfulness. And the best way to express your thankfulness is to express it in prayer. And further, we come to give Christian offerings to the poor because the gospel means something for our lives. And and so we show gospel care for one another in church. So these things the ministry of the gospel, attending the church of God, these things become precisely what the redeemed child of God wants to do. This is what they long to do. They long to commune with God in that two-way exchange of, of God giving and us thanking, of God blessing and us praising, of God helping and us resting in him. So the impulse for Sabbath keeping doesn't come from the rules. It comes from the gospel. The point is the gospel, not the rules. But you understand then, because the gospel is so important, that's why you are urged to come to church. Because the gospel doesn't change, but sometimes the heart can be fickle. Sometimes the heart can be deceived. And so you might say, well, I don't feel like going to church. I don't want to go to church. What's the point of going there? And so I'm not going to go. Didn't, didn't the minister say that we're supposed to do what we want on the Sabbath? Ah, 
But the gospel of Jesus Christ never changes. And those who are urging you to come to church are doing so because they know of the power of the gospel. And if there is not a willingness or a desire to come, then this is just the place you need to be to hear the gospel, to hear about what Jesus Christ has done for you, to to praise God, to join together, to be caught up in the worship of God's people. So that God, by his Holy Spirit, can stir in your heart, can work in your heart, and strengthen your faith, and lead you from that place of, of being deceived or of weakness to a place of strength and confidence and truth. And so it is that we gather together to worship God once a week. But the Sabbath isn't about just once a week either. It goes on. The power of the gospel is so profound that it not only transforms the hearts of God's people and not only transforms the worship of God's people, the gospel transforms all of life. It transforms everything we do with everything in our life, with every breath that we take, so that we begin already now the eternal rest. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't just make one day of the week special. It doesn't just make Sunday special. It makes every day of the week special. Every day we are to remember the Sabbath and live in the freedom of what Christ has done for us. Because Jesus Christ has removed the, the curse from our work so that now we work productively. We work in God's kingdom. Everything we do is connected with the kingdom of God. And every day we can rest from our evil works as the Holy Spirit renews us. So that more and more that the slavery to sin that we once experienced becomes less. And slavery to righteousness and to the Lord becomes more. If Christ redeems our entire life and in him we are a new creation then do we ever really take a break from Sabbath? Do we ever stop resting in him? Do we ever stop worshiping him? Now, this means, of course, that you don't need to quit your job when you become a Christian and just listen to sermons all day, hear God's word, use the sacraments, call publicly on the Lord and give Christian offerings for the poor. You don't have to do that every day of your week. You don't have to meditate on the Lord's Supper. You don't have to give away all your money to the poor. No, the Sabbath, the gospel of Jesus Christ, means that you do your work, but as you do it, you experience the transforming power of the gospel. As more and more you do it out of love for God and love for your neighbor, more and more it becomes not self-focused or not trying to build yourself up, but you're working for the good of others and you're expressing God's love in it. More and more you can work while producing fruits of the Spirit. More and more, you can do everything out of a spirit of thanksgiving to God. Every single day of your life is transformed by the gospel. Sunday remains a special time. But just because one time is special doesn't mean the rest is mundane. If you celebrate your anniversary with your husband or wife, you're not saying, well, every other day of our relationship was not that great. No, you can celebrate and every other day can still be great. And that's what we have with the Sabbath. One day that we gather together, but all of life redeemed by Jesus Christ. 
So the Sabbath communicates to us the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the Sabbath, we're pointed to the Lord of the Sabbath. And how thankful aren't we for this gift called Sabbath that the Lord has given to us. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.